Hello, I'm Scott Soshner. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Today, we begin with Houston furniture store owner Jim Mattress Mac. Mackinvale. You just need the mattress Mac. Everybody knows him. We know mattress who Mattress Mac. Mac is. I went back just for fun and looked the other day, by the way. Yeah. We first wrote about Mattress Mac. Pete Coates, our colleague, in 2000 when he put the uh, Houston Furniture Gallery Furniture name on the bowl game. Right. It was like the first retail store to put its name on a bowl game. Going back to 2000, he realized, you know, I think sports is a good way to get attention for my store. Well, you know what? He did something I think is smart. And what he did was he bet uh, $3.5 million for the Astros to win the World Series. Now, why is that why? smart? It wasn't, just, it wasn't a real... I mean, yes, it's a bet. It's a bet. It was a hedge. It was a hedge. Exactly. Because That's the key. The wager serves as a hedge against the promotion that he previously ran in the store that calls for customers to get refunds on purchases of $3,000 or more if the Astros win baseball's championship. And so guess what? Yeah. A lot of people took him up on that. And, and they worked. liked the chances for the Astros, so they went out and they bought lots of furniture. Right. So he realized, if the Astros win, I'm on the hook for a whole lot of freebie furniture, so why don't I get some money if they do win? That's, <laughs> so, it's a smart move. I have to admit, the hedge works. Well, here's the part that evident. and by the way, if he wins that bet, he gets $7.7 right. million. Dollars. And he only said that if he loses, he's on the hook for like more than what, fifteen million? Fifteen at 15, least. Fifteen at yeah. least fifteen oh, million on, on yeah. So he'll probably make more bets. Yeah, he may But the be question I had for Eben, and we've looked at some of these before, is what would the insurance cost? Because a lot of promotions, you know, like half course shots when they give away a car, whatever. A lot of those are insured. Right. Those promotions are insured. What do we think the premium would be on insurance on the promotion. I guess it would have, you'd have to wait and see how much you sold, but is this a better way to go? Yeah, I mean, I think, the as you know, those insurance policies are based on the likelihood of the event happening, right? The so the, the, insur- the insurance policy would track, I think, fairly closely to the odds of, of the Astros winning the World Series, which are the odds that he got. Uh, my guess is that, one, the VIG that a casino takes in this case DraftKings which is the sports book that took the bet down in Mississippi my guess is that the vig the casino takes is not as big as the cut that the insurance company or, takes even if it is same or a little bit higher how much promotion is mattress mac getting that's the other part out of this bet we're talking about yeah it. everybody is is talking about it right now um it's from what it sounds like he may be looking to bet more he was trying to bet a, a 5 million dollar uh, place a five million dollar wager here in New Jersey. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot going around about this, and I agree with you, Scott. If even the numbers are the same, or even if the insurance might be a slightly better opportunity, he's getting a lot more out of this by going the big public, you know, three point five million dollars in a briefcase. Oh yeah, spectacle and, kind and of. First, way. you got to find a casino that's going to cover the bet. That's the. But you're talking about something this, which is not magnitude. easy. It's a that's point. not, that's yeah. not yeah. easy to do. And, and I saw in one of the stories, the one of the bosses at the casino said, well, we said the whole time we were going to take big bets and we had to put our money where our mouth is. We had to actually do it. Yeah. Well, that's so they did it. Also worth noting, it, Mattress Mac did this a couple of years ago when the Astros won their first ever World Series. Yep. I believe he was on the hook for $10 million yep. as a result of, of all those givebacks for mattress purchases. So he might be doing things a little differently this way. Uh, but, you know, I read his you know gallery furniture, their annual revenue is like $200 million. So probably not a huge not a huge deal for him either way when the uh, rockets were playing in the playoffs i I was in houston i said you know what i need to do there's a lot of things you can do in houston 
One of them for me was, I got to go to Gallery Furniture and check this place out. So I did. Very good. Oh, man. Uh, all right. Let's shift the conversation now to M&A News after the Stars Group signed an all-stock deal to be acquired by Flutter Entertainment, creating one of the largest online betting and gambling companies. Well, maybe it wasn't 10 minutes. <laughs> but, but there we go. Um, Evan, you got to... It seems to me this is about scale, that in this nascent U.S. sports betting industry, people are trying to find their partnerships, and this one makes sense, do I say? Makes yeah, sense? I mean, big we, one. we're now talking about the biggest gambling company in the world. Yeah. Just to give some idea for, for listeners, Stars Group is Poker Stars, it's Skybet, it's Bet Stars, it's FanDuel, and it's the partnership with FoxBet. And Flutter is Patty Power and Betfair. And, do I, do I and, like, sorry, do and I like, FanDuel as well is, like is under the, that, is like under that umbrella. When they, were, when they were coming up with that, would you have said Flutter? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to tell them what they should, what they should name themselves. But you combine <laughs> you all those assets. Okay. Seinfeld? Yeah. You oh, combine all those assets into, into one company, right? That yeah. is a behemoth. And, and for folks here in the U.S., the two brands they're going to interact with are obviously FanDuel and Foxbet. Foxbet. Yeah. And in talking to the principals on this, it sounds like they're going to keep those separate. They believe that there is an audience for FanDuel and an audience for Foxbet. They're going to, going to go after two different types of, of sports betting clientele. Um, but you know, being able to share resources, being able to share access agreements, which is a huge deal in terms of how you get the license in each individual state. I imagine this company, and, and FanDuel has been you know, the leader in New Jersey and in Pennsylvania, they've done very well at being nimble and dominating new states as they come on board. I would imagine this kind of puts them in the driver's seat as we look across more states in the U.S. Well, the thing about FanDuel, and I live in Pennsylvania, so, I mean, yes, they are extremely, how can I say it, uh, welcoming to uh, when they introduce themselves uh, in uh, Pennsylvania. So, yeah, they are in the driver's seat. I'm the client they hate. You know, like when they, you get a really good first bet when you sign up. <laughs> oh, and then and, you leave. Yeah. Oh, so man. I, I, I took the Patriots plus whatever it was. I don't remember if it was the Super Bowl or what. I think it was the Patriots getting yeah. points in the Super Bowl. So I took it. Well, they're smart, though. You can win that money, but to cash it out, you have to then wager it one more time. Right. So I did what any smart person does. I looked to my left and I said, <laughs> hey, Evan, I've got X hundred bucks in my account. And I need to wager it one time. And you gave me some yeah, wacko college basketball. Yeah. I mean, it was some, almost like, Mac Wyoming. College basketball game. It was, yeah. I remember Mountain it, West. it was yeah. Wyoming against somebody. I have no idea. But I remember checking the scores to see if Wyoming covered like 17 or something. And I saw the money in my account right away. I sent Mr. Novi Williams a nice text saying, great. And then I ordered FanDuel, you know. Just cut me the check. You know, well, if you're curious about my personal tout service, uh, DM me on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's underscore. Okay, word. but then why, why instead of going for the points, why didn't you just go ahead and bet that hundred on a huge favorite? You're gonna, you're still putting up the hundred dollars. That's like at. Uh, I at went to my consigliere. He told me what to do, and I did it, and <laughs> I won money. Well, Tom Hagen's right, but um, when I, <laughs> I mean, I get it, but I mean, it's, I see. First of all, there was a name. There's a name for people like you. We're back when these smart. Yeah. smart, they, rich, yeah, yeah rich, yeah. smart. 
not destitute. Uh, I still have 17 what? bucks in the account, though. It's like the little extra I left in there. there so you, you know what? Maybe let's let's do that. Everybody send me in the next week. We're going to wager the final $17 that's oh, in the man. account. Send Big Bar at Sashnik, Novi underscore, it doesn't matter. Send us all where you think I should place that bet. <laughs> I have an answer, but it's too funny. Before we move on from, from this one, if folks may remember or may not, when Fox Bet, when they made their partnership with Stars, Fox invested in Stars, they also had an option within the next 10 years to buy 50% of Stars Group's U.S. The business, US, yeah. uh, which is largely Fox Bet. They still have that as part of this new deal, but they also have the right in two years to buy 18%, I believe it is, of Flutter's U.S. business, which is FanDuel Group. Uh, so in the next couple years, Fox has potentially two big investment opportunities, and there may be some regulatory concerns whether they want to pull the trigger on those. But Fox has already obviously invested in this because they have a chunk of Stars Group, uh, but they have two more opportunities to really double down if they think this is a huge growth opportunity. I can tell you, Evan, some backstory as to when this came about. Lachlan Murdoch's instructions to his folks were, I want the maximum allowed without trigger triggering those regulatory concerns that you're asking about. Give me that number. Keep me under it by like 0.01% so that we do not have to deal with those yeah. concerns. Yeah. Finally, let's talk about Nike's CEO, Mark Parker, firing back against the ruling that a company-backed running coach illicitly doped runners in a Nike program. Oof, this is, uh, there's, there's a lot, <laughs> a lot, of there's a lot to with, unpack oof. here. Um, can I just start with a simple one? Yeah. Eben, you cover Nike closer than I do. Here's the question that I have, and this is just sort of a management. Even if everything Mark Parker says is on the up and up, there have been rumors about Alberto Salazar for years, sort of the shady evidence character well. in the yep. world, evidence. He, the CEO of the company, was like, yeah, you know what? Include me on that email chain about those tests we're doing with the testosterone cream. <laughs> really? It certainly it looks very very bad and and just well, to, and who to, else was on the who else was on the email? Lance Armstrong <laughs> is also on the email, which is uh, too perfect. It's oh, too man. amazing. Yeah. So big news in the running community this week: Alberto Salazar, who runs Nike's Oregon Project, which is Nike's kind of elite running uh, track and field team, uh, he was banned four years from the sport for essentially a, a, a myriad of quasi doping violations, not necessarily giving performance enhancements to Nike athletes, but a lot of tests he was doing and then deliberately trying to obscure investigations into what he was doing. Uh, one of those tests, uh, as Nike claims and as Mark Parker claims, uh, Galen Rupp, who was a big American long distance runner, he was at one point at a match felt as though someone walked up to him and rubbed a, a wet cream on his back, right? And it launched, according to Nike, a lot of paranoia within the Nike Oregon project that, hey, Anyone could walk up to any of our athletes, rub something on their back. It could be, it could have something performance enhancing in it. They could test positive. It's why the Olympic athletes bring their own food. Exactly. Yeah, and 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 this is obviously a concern for athletes. So, according to Nike, in the aftermath of that, Alberto Salazar started 
devising an entire program of testing how much cream you could use, how much you could could be put on your body before you test positive positive in the interest of preventing sabotage. And this is the email thread that Mark Parker is on. I'm still not sure about how that prevents sabotage. Fine, you know the threshold, but if somebody goes and rubs it on you... I think they were trying to determine, and and there's an email in there where Alberto Salazar tells, I believe Mark Parker included, uh, the amount needed to trigger a positive test is so much that an athlete will know that it's on. And, and I th- even they, they go as far as to say a male athlete, you need however many ounces. He's like, going to know. You'd have to ask him, can you rub my show stuff on my shoulders yeah, like a suntan? If it's a female, the amount needed to trigger a positive test was much lower. Right. So they were saying that there may be some concern for female athletes because it might not be a, a recognizable amount. Either way, there's an email from Mark Parker saying, really interested to find out what the maximum allowable thing is before the, the positive test gets triggered. It doesn't look good. And the argument made by USADA, the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency, was that, listen, it doesn't matter the motivation here. They were playing around with testosterone, trying to figure out how much of it triggered a positive test or not. Bad luck. It's, it's very easy to then turn that knowledge into something that is nefarious. Um, and that's part of the conclusion well, that the was quote, made in this The band. quote from Mark Parker, to have my name and Nike's name linked to this reckless mischaracterization is offensive. Yeah, so Mark Parker sent an email out to Nike employees uh, late on Tuesday night, essentially saying, listen, I'm believe I did nothing wrong here. You know, when I ask you guys to do the right thing, I, I, I try to do the same for me. He didn't think that the, the coverage was particularly fair in this specific case. Nike is standing by Alberto Salazar. And that the Salazar. initial reports didn't mention some of the findings that cleared Nike. Exactly, exactly. Um, and, you know, Alberto Salazar is going to appeal this, most likely to the, the court arbitration of sports CAS over in Europe. Um, Nike is standing by him in that regard as well. Uh, who knows? But again, it's not Nike is the dominant corporate force yeah, but, within but let's track say, and Evan, field. Yeah, this matters because Nike sells a lot of shoes. Four point eight billion shoes. dollars in running shoes. Um, you know, that's you know about a fifth of their of their annual revenue. Nike at its core, originally, Phil Knight was a runner at University of Oregon. He and Bill Bowerman started Nike as Blue Ribbon Sports. It was a running company originally. Nike uh, running is in Nike's DNA. Nike cares a lot about this, and and they've been. For good and bad, depending on who you ask, the driver of professional track and field. Be, you know who else I'd be scared right now globe? when this happens? Hmm. The University of Oregon. So closely tied to Nike, elite track team. Sure. I'd be like, Yeah, wow, located that, pretty close to, yeah, no bueno. to Beaverton headquarters. Yeah, no bueno. This has been the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast. I'm Michael Barr, along with Scott. Please send me your $17 bet suggestion, Soshnik. That's right. And Evan Noby-Williams. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week when we talk more betting. We have John Levy, the CEO of The Score, another sports media site that launched its own betting app uh, in recent weeks. Oh, I got a lot of questions, as you know. You are listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online wherever you get your podcasts.